Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. We worship together at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, both in person and online at youtube.com slash area10church. Kid-friendly programming is also available at the same time just down the street at 2810 at Community Gathering Place. We hope to see you at the Bird Theater soon. Now, on to this week's message. About a week ago, my middle son Declan and I, we were at the Circuit Arcade over here in Scott's Edition, and they had Guitar Hero there, and both of us actually play guitar in the w- real world, so we were like, let's play Guitar Hero. So we get in there to play Guitar Hero, and we're, and uh, he was like, will you play this with me? I was like, okay. I said, but I get to pick what song we play. And he's like, okay. So he starts scrolling through the songs, and I see my song that I had to play on Guitar Hero. It was there. We got to it, and it was... Jukebox Hero by Foreigner. And I saw the song there and I was like, that one. And then my son said, and I'll never forget this, he said these words. He said, I don't know that song. And you, you know, you're, you're never prepared for those moments when you feel like a failure as a parent, but that was, that was it. I was like, oh, oh, he doesn't know. The reason I know that song, Jukebox Hero, is because when I was five years old, my parents bought me a record player. And the first album they bought for me as a five-year-old was Foreigner 4 <laughs> with Jukebox Hero on it. And it was incredible. I remember sitting there listening to it. Now, my, my wife, she was like, you got that at five? I was listening to Disney music. Her parents loved Jesus. Mine did not. So we got Foreigner. <laughs> Different upbringings. And I remember listening to that song in my room. And let me, the beauty of the record player okay? Record players were incredible. And, and if you didn't grow up with it, I, I'm sad for you. I'm sad for your world, your digital world. The record player spins, and there's a needle, and it would collect dust, and you have to clean it off. And there's this moment, you, you put it on the record, and there's this like crackling sound, and then music pours forth out of the speakers. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And it was so cool. You could like manually spin it faster to make the song go faster. You could spin it backwards and there were like satanic messages that would come out that were like in there that you didn't know about. It was was amazing. The record player, the sound of it, you don't even know if if you didn't grow up with it. It was was magical. It was a magical thing. In fact, Arthur C. Clarke said this, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And it is. It's magical. I mean, think of all the technologies that surround us. You can flip a switch and lights come on. That is magical. I can't explain it to you. It's just magic. It just works. And, and the record player was magical. And, 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 it, and, and if you think about it, it's magical because before things like a record player, how would you ever hear music? We're so used to being able to hear whatever music you want. How would you have ever heard music? You'd only hear music if someone sings or could play something on a piano or something like that, right? And a record player comes along and it's like, oh, we can, we can have all this music put together and we can hear it right now in, in our room. And now where are we with that technology? Well, it's all digital. We have Spotify. You can hear, you've got a little box that you carry around with you. And on that little box, you can hear almost any song in the history of ever, and I guess that's wonderful. It, I, I guess it's amazing. Um, but something about making music a digital commodity like that has kind of made it cheap. Certainly the artists feel, feel that way. They don't get paid by making music the way they used to. But we've lost something of the experience. Just having a record 
was, was amazing. There was the, the, the liner notes that you would read and the, and the dust jacket that, it, that you had with it and just the tactile experience of a record that you just don't get anymore. And, and, and collecting records would say something about you. It's my curated collection, my record collection you carry around in a crate or whatever. This, these are my records. It's not the same as a Spotify playlist. It's just not, I mean, it's just, it's just different now. And, I, and, you know, you were excited to buy that record to hear those songs. Now Taylor Swift drops an album, you listen to it for a day, you tweet about it, and you move on. And that's just where we are. And maybe I'm being nostalgic. But I do think some things just were better back then. You know, I'm longing for my childhood, sure, all that stuff. But some things in our rush to get all the new and latest and greatest, some things have been lost. And there were some good things. And I, and I feel that way maybe about records, but a lot of things. My wife and I went for a walk the other day because short days, you want to get outside in the sunshine when you can and, you know, vitamin D and all that. And she was commenting to me about how being healthy, it just requires regular stuff. And this is the stuff that hasn't changed in thousands of years. Go for a walk. Get vitamin D. Eat vegetables, actual vegetables from the ground. Eat those. Uh, you know, read books and things, you know, like pray, get some exercise, move around. This is boring, old school, doesn't sound cutting edge stuff, but it's still true. These are still the things that we need to be healthy. In spite of all of our technological advances, it's just that stuff that still matters. And I think faith in Jesus following after Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus, is just one of those things that is still valuable, it's still true, it's still a good thing. And, and following Jesus and having faith in him and walking in his ways, this does not sound trendy, it doesn't sound hip, it doesn't sound so 2023, it sounds old. And maybe it sounds tired. It, maybe it just sounds like, oh, are you serious? But I think it's still true. Following him, I believe this, following Jesus is the absolute best way to live your life. Your life, my life, is the best way we could live our lives. And you may not believe me, and you're going to try other things instead. And I've tried other things too. We all do this. You're going to go down the road. You go, no, I don't want to follow Jesus. Instead, let me follow political ideas, ideologies. Let me, let me chase social justice. Let me save the planet. Let me, let me do these things. Let me pour all of my energy into those causes. Let me find a person, a spouse, a child, anything that will provide the meaning and direction for my life. We will pursue all of those things. And at the end of the day, when you've gone through them all, you're going to come back to this spot where it feels a bit empty. And I'm telling you, Jesus is still going to be standing there saying, follow me. This actually is the way to go because he created you. He knows how you're wired. He knows what you're like and knows what is best for you. And so I, I, I know that sounds old school, but I think we need to circle back to some of those old truths that we have recently forgotten. And for this series, we're going to call this vintage. These are vintage qualities that, that we need to pursue and vintage values in, in, even in our modern world. And I think there are some very vintage values articulated in the Scripture in the New Testament. Our modern world has values, right? There are things we value as a culture as Americans. When we look at coworkers and someone to date, and those are, there's things we looked for. And our modern values, you may have a list you would come up with of what, what do we value in this country, but we value things like 
hardworking and successful and ambitious, driven, those sorts of things. We, we say these are the things you should be. And those things are fine. But I think there are some other values that we want to look at that actually would, would change us from the inside out, something that's a little deeper. And so I want to, I want to point you to a list that's in the New Testament. And this is a list of, 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 of values that um, we admire in other people, and we want to have them in ourselves. And uh, the Apostle Paul writes a letter to the church in Galatia, which is sort of south-central Turkey, modern-day Turkey. And he writes this letter, and he tells them that the Spirit of God is working in their lives, that God's Spirit is in them, and is trying to produce something in them. And it's called the fruit of the Spirit, is what it's called. I want us to read this. I'm going to put it up on the screen. I want us to read it together, and we're going to do it every week, because I want us to memorize it, okay? So let's put it up on the screen. This is what he says. Let's read this together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, what do you think when you read that list? I'll tell you where my head goes. First of all, my head goes to, I want that. I want to be more joyful and have more peace and, and be more loving and patient. Don't you? Did you read that list? Do you read that list and think, nah, who needs that? You read that list and you go, I, I need that. I need to be more of that, those things, right? That, that's what I see when I, when I read it. I admire that. I want that. And I also don't just want it for me. I want it for the people that I love. I want my kids to be more gentle and kind and patient. I want my wife to have more peace and be patient and loving. Not because they're not those things and not, not just so they are those things so I will get along with them better or something. Just for them. I want them to have that. I want my coworkers to be more like that, to be more patient, gentle, loving, kind. Don't you? Don't you want that for people in your class? The people, anyone that you're surrounded by, don't you want more of that in your life? But I also look at that list and I, and I think, am I growing in those areas? Like there's a lot of things we do at the beginning of the year. We get very ambitious and we go, I'm going to make this more money this year and I'm going to you know, do these things in my relationships and I'm gonna, my dating life is going to be like this and my, my kids are going to be like this and, and my career is like that. We, we, all these like beginning of the year, I want to do these things. How about at the beginning of this year we go, am I more loving this year than I was at this time last year? Am I more patient? Am I more gentle? Am I more kind? Am I more self-controlled than I was a year ago? And if I'm not, why not? That's the stuff. Why aren't I more self-controlled? Why aren't I more gentle and patient? Especially if you're a follower of Jesus, if the Holy Spirit is working on these things inside of you, shouldn't you be more joyful than you were a year ago? Shouldn't we be more kind and loving? If you've been a follower of Jesus for 20 years, I hope you were more joyful than you were 20 years ago. Like, this stuff should be increasing in us. And if it's not... Why isn't it, why aren't we growing in those things? And then I wonder, well, if I'm not growing in joy and patience and kindness, all those things, am I actively doing things that work against me growing in joy, patience, and kindness? 
Am I, am I making myself less loving? And this is where we need to talk. The digital world that we are running in, people on average are on screen seven hours and four minutes a day. Okay, seven hours, four minutes a day, that has gone up a, a, a lot in the last decade or so. We uh, unlock our phone 150 times a day. We touch our phone 2,500 times a day. I don't know how they count that. I don't know how every, every touch is, whatever. It's a lot, and you're sitting there arguing with it, and you're going, I'm sure I'm less than that. Go into the screen time settings on your phone and find out. It won't tell you how many times you've touched it. But there's something going on there, right? You may be slightly less than average or whatever. Fine, congratulations. But there's something going on. If you touched anything 2,500 times a day, we'd be like, I think you're really into that thing. I think we have a problem, right? You're like, dang, you're really like, whoa, right? So there's something going on there. I'm, and hey, this is me too, okay? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, on, I'm not on some high horse, okay? Like, let's just talk. What is going on in the world that we're living in? Is the screen time, is you looking at a phone or a computer, is it making you more loving, more kind, more gentle, more patient, more self-controlled? Do you doom scroll Twitter and come out of that as a more loving person? Do you scroll through Instagram and have less envy and, and more peace? Do you? I'm, I'm just asking because I, I, I'm trying to work through this too. In fact, I would even say, if, if the Spirit of God is trying to form those things in us, if I was Satan and I wanted to undermine that plan, maybe what I would do is I would put a little black mirror in everybody's pocket and I would invite people to gaze into it multiple times a day. And I would use that thing to make all of the people, I would undermine everything on God's list here. I would use that thing to make us less patient, less kind, less, less loving, less gentle. But we have lots to say about that. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Let me just talk about the scripture specifically. Galatians 5 says, uh, these are the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, let me make this as plain as possible. When you come to Christ and you are baptized into Christ, God's Spirit lives inside of you. God's not far away. God's not just near. God is within us. So God's Spirit lives inside of us. And his spirit is actively working on something in you. It's trying to form, it's trying to produce the fruit. What is the fruit of an apple tree? It is apples, right? What is the fruit of the spirit? The spirit is trying to produce something in you and through you. It's trying to make you more loving, kind, patient, gentle, faithful, all, all those things. That is what the spirit is trying to do. Now, the spirit does not do this against your will or without your cooperation. So there is a sense in that we actively nurture the Spirit in our lives, and there are things that we should do, things like spiritual disciplines, which we'll get into some in this series. There are things that we can do to cooperate with the Spirit so that these things are produced in our lives. And there are, there are great things that we can be doing and, and, and should be doing. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little more about that as we go through this, uh, th this series. I, 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 I kind of liken it to gardening, right? Like, if I wanted to grow tomato plants, I can't actually grow tomatoes. That is a work uh, of, of nature that I don't really understand. The only thing I can do is garden. I can tend the soil, make sure there's not weeds there. I can water it, try to get it in direct sunlight, but I can't make the thing grow. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit makes these qualities grow inside of us, but we can tend the soil. We can do some gardening and make sure that the environment is, is good. 
So the first one I want to talk about today, we'll just do this briefly with the time that we have left. I want to talk about the first one on this list, the fruit of the Spirit, um, is, is love. It's love. Um, there's a, a, a writer that I've, that I've leaned on a lot in this series. There's a, a pastor out in Silicon Valley in California named uh, Jay Kim, and he's written a book called Analog Christian. And he walks through these. And so I, I read that a couple months ago um, and, and walked through through the Spirit. I would encourage you to pick up that book, perhaps, and, and read it and follow along. Um, but he articulates these in a particular way, and I'm going to use some of his framework. And he, he describes love as, he, he puts these all these, these fruits of the Spirit in contrast with something. He says, love instead of or over self-centric despair is the way he describes it. Love over self-centric despair despair. Let's talk about that. The Bible is a love book from beginning to end. Um, There are lots of other things in here. There's sin and there's brokenness and there's corruption and there's, there's like a whole hot mess throughout here. But from beginning to end, God creates humanity out of his love. He loves us. He sends his son to die for us. You see at the end of the book that we are going to be reunited with him in this marriage feast. Like love is like this overarching theme of, of the scripture. And, and when you say like love makes the world go round and all those kind of cliches, there, there's, something, there's something to that. Um, th- yeah, the scripture teaches us it, in addition to love, it doesn't sugarcoat the realities of life. There's evil, there's sin, there's suffering. We need to repent and turn away from our sin and turn towards God because he loves us. Uh, and, and God loving us means he doesn't accept all that we do. In the same way, I don't, I don't accept everything kids do or, or other people do, I, I, but I try to love them anyway, right? Um, and, and so we see this love theme throughout the Scripture. And Scripture defines love for us. It gives us like some, some handles on love that culture doesn't. We can call them love handles, I suppose. Uh, the, scripture, scripture gives us a way to talk about love in the way that culture doesn't. Because if you think about how our culture talks about love, it's love is a feeling. Uh, it's, it's usually talked about in very emotional terms. Uh, love is never having to say you're sorry. Uh, love is love. This love is good. This love is bad. This love is alive back from the dead. There's like, there's lyrics about this. There's, there's ideas sur- surrounded with love, but it's not well defined. Scripture put some handles on it. 1 Corinthians 13, listen to the way it's, it's written there. And you've heard this if you've been to a wedding. We always put this in wedding context, but taking it out of that context, just love generally. If I speak in the tongue of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and I, if I deliver up my body to be burned... I don't know why I had to go there, but all right. But have not love, I gain nothing. And then he, what does he say? Love actually is. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Yeah, love, there's a feeling associated with it. But mostly the way it's defined here is love is an action. It is 
doing something. It's, it's, not, it's doing something or not doing something. It's not insisting on its own way. It is not rude. It is not arrogant. Love is actually patient and kind, which are fruits of the Spirit, right? So as we become more loving, we should be becoming more patient and kind. As we become more kind, we should be becoming more loving. Like this, this all works together. So for us, this needs to be home-based. Paul, Paul in this chapter, you know, he's going to end this chapter and say, these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the grace of these is love. Like, love is the central thing for the world, I would say, but especially in the church. Like, it needs to be home base for us. For followers of, if we're going to be disciples of the man Jesus, we're going to follow him, then love has to be the central thing. That has to be the driving force uh, for our action. It, it, should, it should drive our church. People, um, churches get a hung up around causes and missions and prophetic and let me speak against the culture and let me plant a flag here and let's go protest this thing and and maybe there's a time and place for those things but at the end of the day what we should be is the people of of love we should be known for that loving God and and loving other people. In fact, this is how Jesus himself boils it down. Matthew chapter 22. Um, he's asked this question. Listen, let me read it to you. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus is asked a question by a, a, a a teacher, uh, some, uh, someone, a lawyer, a Pharisee, someone who knows the scriptures really well, Jewish scriptures. And they have hundreds of laws, 600 plus laws in the Old Testament, and then more that they've added to it. They've got all of these laws. And so they would divide the laws, the Old Testament laws, they would divide them into like the lesser or the greater or the heavier or the lighter laws. So it would be like, you really shouldn't kill people. That's a big time, you know, big, eh, don't do that bad thing law. Don't kill people. That's obvious. It's a big one. If you do that, you've really broken a law. Versus you shouldn't mix two kinds of fabric in your clothing. Okay, that's, that's a little less important, right? So they, they, would, they would weigh these things out. And they're always arguing over, is this one more important than this? And what, what matters? So they come to Jesus and go, okay, you're a teacher. You tell us. What's most important? And what does he tell them? The thing that is most important is loving God and loving people. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind. In other contexts, it'll say heart, soul, mind, strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says all of the law and prophets hang on that. All of the, take the, the whole Old Testament, basically, the, the teachings of the law there, the prophecies, the, the, the poetry, all these things, all of it hangs on this concept of love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And so maybe we should make this our motto in 2023. You at work, not you as the church, but you at work, at home, at school, make this your motto. I'm, I'm going to be the person who loves God and loves people. I'm going to be a person of love. I'm going to make that my life's ambition. Now, there's a caveat here that we love to throw in the modern American world. We go, well, Chris, he says, love God, your heart, soul, mind, strength. And then he says, love your neighbor, what? as yourself. So you're saying I should love myself. That's what I got out of this because it does say that. I mean, to be technically accurate, it's like, so you're saying there's a chance. Uh, uh, you, 
right? Like, it, it did say that in there, right? And, and we love to talk about that. And it does say that, and we could have a conversation about that, but let me just throw the caution flag on that right now. When J. Kim wrote the book Analog Christian, uh, the reason he points, to, he, he points to this is he says the opposite of love is self-centric despair. So the drive in, inward to ourselves is going to drive us away from, away from love. We are constantly driven inward to self in our culture. We have an entire consumer culture fueled, uh, I would say, a consumeristic culture with like uh, technology as the grease on the fire. We have an entire culture set up to make you all about you, to drive you into yourself, to make self-love, self-care the most important thing in the world. A healthy version of that might be self-care, like make sure you get enough sleep at night and eat your vegetables. The unhealthy version of that would be full-on narcissism, which I would say we throw that word around maybe a little too much in our culture. Yes, there is like a clinical sort of narcissism, but now we kind of say anybody who thinks about themselves is narcissistic. And, and maybe there's some of that, but look, at the end of the day, culture is telling you to think about yourself all the time. So if you start doing it, you're kind of just regular. I don't know if we call it, maybe everybody's a narcissist. I don't know. But like, this is what our culture is driving us towards, is driving us inwards, away from love to ourselves. Think about come back to, think about the smartphone. How often do you use it as a phone? Not very often, right? And think about what it does and how it is set up because it is one of the most spiritually forming devices in our world. It shapes something in us. Think about how the phone is so highly customizable. The latest iOSs, you can change font, you can, you got your home screen. It looks like exactly how you want it to look. And the apps that you download are the apps that you want to have on it. And you can use it to do all the things for you. You can check how the weather is going to affect you. You can take your notes. You can find out how you are going to get to where you need to go. You can find out people that you can date. On, like you can check on your money in the bank. Like, what is the common denominator in all that? You. The phone is designed to make you about you from beginning to end. That's, that's what it does. And it's, it's magical. It's incredible what it can do. Have you thought about that? Like, we're kings and queens. Seriously, right now, I could, I could get my phone and I could order somebody to make food for me in a kitchen somewhere, and then I could order a driver to pick up that food and bring it right to me. I wouldn't even have to hand him money. Somehow, digitally, that's going to happen too. Am I Henry VIII? Like, how? I'm a step away from being like, burgers, and they just bring burgers. How are we doing this? Is it any wonder we're addicted to it? It's amazing. We are kings and queens out here. There's something broken about that, though. I don't know if you've looked at the history of kings and queens, but they don't all become good people. Like, it's not like, oh, then then he became king and he became such a nice guy. You know? No, that's not the history of history. This stuff is, is driving us somewhere, and we need to pay attention. 
The phone is highly personalized. Sure. Andy Crouch says, our digital world is highly personalized. But it's not personal. It's not really getting at where we're at. I think actually, if we consider the long-term effects of that highly personalized digital world, those things drive us to anxiety and despair. They do. When you make your life all about you, that's the surefire formula to be depressed. Make it all about you, and it's, it's not going to go well. Is, is the technology we have indistinguishable from magic? Sure, it's magical. It's also that magic comes with a big side helping of depression. It's the opposite of love. Thomas Aquinas famously said, love is to will the good of the other. So when Jesus comes along and says, love God and love people, you know what those two things have in common? They're both not you. Love is to will the good, not of yourself. It's to will the good of the other. To be outward. To, 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 to pick up your eyes and see what's there. And go, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to love them. Somehow in our culture we've made that, oh, but you need to love yourself first. I get it, yes. Put on your own seatbelt before assisting others. Right, cool, got it. But... Aren't we supposed to be outward? Love your neighbor? Love God? Love those things that are not yourself? Will the good of the other, not just romantically or in friendship, but a a real like self-sacrifice, looking to others and acting in their best interest? This is tricky. This is tricky because um, our social media drives us to, 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 to the opposite of that. Even when we get on social media and shame other people for not being more loving, you ever felt the irony in that? You know? You, you're, you're not a loving person unless you wear a mask. All right, thanks. Like, we shame other people and we tell them what love is, and we don't recognize that is, that is the platform that we're using to do it is actually driving us further apart. It's not more loving to yell at somebody on social media. Right? It's driving us further apart. We, we need to pay attention to this, to this stuff. So a solution, part of the solution is um, we have to get out of the screen and look up and get involved in and be with the people that are around us. That, that's got to start somewhere, and I think it should start with us. I think it's disciples of Jesus that starts with us because we claim to follow the guy who set the bar for love. We claim to walk in Jesus' footsteps, and he's the one who brought this issue front and center, love God and love people. He, he wanted to form a community. The church, this community, is supposed to be driven by and, and fueled by love. That, that, was, that was his thing. So it's got to start with us. We've got to be the people who look up and look around and go, like, I'm going to love Love God and, and love, love my neighbor. Um, so how, how, uh, how are we going to do that? I don't have all the answers on that, but I, I have two questions I think that can help us. Number one is, ask the question, who is the other in my midst? If love is to will the good of the other, who is the other in your midst? Who is the other in your house, in your job, in your class, at your school, in the club, in, online? Like, who, who is the other that God may be calling you to, to love? 
You're not going to see them if your head's on a phone or a screen or whatever. You're not going to notice them. So we might need to pick our heads up. I, I was talking to uh, Dominic, um, and Dominic, you've seen lead worship here, got married yesterday. Woo, woo. Um, Dominic, um, so he's not here today. I don't know what he's up to, but he's not here. Way to start off the marriage right. Yeah, all right. Kidding, kidding. Don't tell him I said that. Um, no, so, um, so I was talking to him, and, uh, and he was talking about, um, you know, he, he does campus ministry at VCU, and he's talking about their campus house there and where they, they have meetings and whatever, and people come in and they do. And, and I said, and I, keep in mind, I know nothing about campus ministry, how to do it well. I said, man, you know what would be kind of radical or good or might actually work? I don't know. What if you had like a, a box at the door, and when people walk through the door, they had to drop their phone in it? And then they just couldn't have it while, they, while you all were meeting together. You know, like, my parents had these parties back in the 80s. And they would make people drop their keys in the door, at the door. <laughs> like that. But with phones. Because <laughs> drinking and driving is bad, okay? But so is, like, maybe the phone is too. Maybe. It's radical. What if? I mean, I, 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 I can't imagine the level of twitchy people would be if you tried this. But... What if we just said, nah, I'm just going to put the phone away. Small groups at this church, formation groups, small groups, whatever. What if we just were like, you know what, just put it down when you come in. And don't pick it up again until you leave. Whatever is going to happen in the world that you need to be informed of will still be there when you get out of this. But we just want to be the people who link eyes with each other and, and, and see each other and, and are with each other and, and love. And uh, this is hard. It's hard for everyone. It's hard for me. I'm, I'm putting it out there and saying can we, maybe we could take some steps like this and do this together. So who's the other in my midst? The second question to ask is, what does love require of me? What does love require of me? This is entirely different than what we usually ask when we meet people. We don't ask it out loud, but somewhere subconsciously when we meet people, we kind of ask this, what, what good are they to me? Or how will they benefit me? Or what can I get from them? And, and, and I get it. Our phone teaches us to do that with people. And sometimes that digital, being taught that digitally, you know, kind of overflows to the real world. And so, um, what does love require of me would be the question we want to ask. What, what would it take for me to reach out to others and see them and notice them and show up for them um, and, and, and do whatever is needed for them? It's not going to be perfect. Results may vary. But I do think going down this road is going down the way of Jesus to the way of Jesus who he seemed to walk in this very unhurried life and and was surrounded by people that were demanding his attention you know he had in our digital way I would say Jesus had a lot of notifications pop up that told him he needed to do this this and this but he was always focused on who was there and, and, and speaking to them and loving them one at a time. And that was world-changing. And I think that kind of love, that kind of engagement in the real world is, uh, it's old school. But let's just call it vintage. It's vintage. And that kind of vintage love is what our houses need, our churches need. Our city needs this. Our world needs that. So let's be the people who lead out that way. Let's pray.
Lord, I thank you for um, leading out with love and making a move of love towards us on the cross. You could have been many things. You could have been a disciplinarian. You could have been angry. You could have been a God who leads with sadness. You could have written the Bible as a story of fear and, and anger and all sorts of things, but you chose love, and we are uh, grateful for that, that you love us. God, help us to have our eyes open to see how we can extend that love to others in 2023, not just this week, but this year and beyond. God, may a year from now we can get back here together again and say, I am a more loving person this year because of how I live my life in 2023. God, may that be true of me. And I've got so much work to do in this area. And may that be true of everyone in this room. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.